You are listening to the most comprehensive source for news and views about today's unions. This is LaborUnionNews.com's Labor Relations Radio and your host, Peter List. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, thanks for turning on and tuning in to Labor Relations Radio. So this is a first. I have never had a panel discussion on a podcast before where we've got six guests on at the same time. However, this is an important issue. And frankly, I was not sure how else to have a cross section of people on who could share their stories about what is coming down the pike for the rest of America. You see, this is our fourth and final episode in our four-part series on the War on Independent Contractors, and we are going back to where the War on Independent Contractors really began, to California, with a number of the victims of that state's disastrous attack on independent contractors. As you know, earlier this month, the United States Department of Labor issued its long-awaited final six-factor test on what constitutes independent contractors versus employees. What the DOL bureaucrats wanted to do, which they admitted to in the draft of their six-factor test, was to impose California's AB5 law, also known as the ABC test. However, since their hands were tied, they're now imposing a similar six-factor test as opposed to a three-factor test that happened in California. Unless something happens to stop it, like a court injunction due to one of the lawsuits that have been filed, that rule is set to go into effect on March 11th and will likely impact 60 to 70 million Americans across the country. Basically, anyone who receives a 1099 form for part-time or full-time work as a freelancer, a gig worker, or independent contractor, what it's called does not really matter to the DOL. So if you didn't listen to it, our first episode in this four-part series featured Congressman Kevin Kiley and his efforts to fight for the right of Americans to choose how they earn a living against the onslaught of the Department of Labor's new rule. Our second episode featured returning guests and one of the co-founders of Fight for Freelancers, Kim Cavan, and her attorney from the Pacific Legal Foundation, Wilson Freeman, who filed the first federal lawsuit against the DOL's attack on independent contractors. In the third episode, we had returning guest economist Leah Palgashvili share some of the ramifications on this issue she and her colleagues at the Mercatus Center found in their study on the impacts of California's AB5. In this fourth episode on the War on Independent Contractors, returning guest Karen Anderson, founder of Freelancers Against AB5, who, by the way, helped put this episode together, is joined along with a panel of independent contractors from California who are with us to share their stories. So today we've got two writers, two musicians, one of whom is a concert cellist, an independent film producer, a radio journalist, and a yoga instructor who are here to share their stories. So let our panel begin. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. Well, Karen Anderson, welcome back to Labor Relations Radio. And we have a whole bunch of folks with us who are going to share their stories about AB5 in California and 
as well how the independent contractor war or the war on independent contractors may affect people across the country. So welcome, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi. So I thought it might be easy so we don't have chaos if we kind of go around the room and each of you introduce yourselves and your backgrounds and share a little bit about what's happened to you in California post AB5. Now, I don't know, Karen, do you want to do the MC part of this? Yeah, I can I can kind of do the MC part of this because I am the founder of the Freelancers Against AB5 uh, Facebook group that I founded in November 2019, right after the law went into effect. And the folks that uh, we have today on the podcast are all members of my group who have been telling, sharing their stories throughout the entirety of the debacle throughout you know, the last several years. So we're going to be hearing lots of interesting, eye-opening, rude awakening types of stories from independent professionals across different fields. Great. And everybody is familiar with it from California. And most of you, although Jennifer, I think you said you moved out, are from California originally. So you felt this personally. Right. That's right. Everybody, uh, California, uh, there is a lot of misinformation. I just want to give a little bit of a background for your listeners who might not understand AB5 uh, because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of articles coming out about AB5 right now, and some of them are filled with misinformation such that the, the most common one that you read is that Prop 22 that uh, repealed AB5 for everybody or overturned the law, and that the that is just not true. AB5 is in existence. It's alive and well and wreaking havoc on on uh, all sorts of professions. In my group, we've identified 600 categories of professions that have been impacted in one way or another by AB5. Prop 22 just uh, was a vote that went to the to rideshare uh, went to the voters in tw- in November of 2022 that it exempted um, app-based rideshare and delivery only from the law not all gig workers. So um, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, it's still, it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. There are exemptions to the law, but many of the exemptions come with fine print. Uh, and the guests here today can speak to that, that, that fine print as to how hard it is, even for exempted pro, uh, professions to, to be able to operate in, with you know the traditional independent contracting relationships. It's just... Um, it's very much a there's very much a chilling effect on everybody whether you have an exemption or not. Well, part of the reason we're doing this is for those of you in California, you're familiar with AB5, but for those of you that are not in California, this is gonna impact everybody throughout the country once the DOL's six-part rule or six-factor test goes into effect on March 11th. So you folks are kind of the canary in the coal mine. And Aaron just joined us as well. So welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can. So why don't we we go around the room, and I'm just going to go with those, although this is audio only, I'm just going to go kind of counterclockwise on my screen. So Jennifer, can you kind of share with us who you are and, and your story? Yes. Thanks for having me, Peter. Uh, Jennifer Oliver O'Connell, I'm known as As the Girl Turns. And I am a writer, freelance writer, and an entrepreneur on yoga and reinvention. Uh, And AB5 
pretty much killed the yoga and the reinvention aspects of of what I did. Uh, yoga studios, the majority of them, except for you know major corporations like Core Power and Equinox, are mom and pop. So that they hire independent contractors to be yoga instructors, and uh, I pretty much was a high level yoga instructor. I have advanced training, and so I taught and taught classes and also taught uh, workshops and things like that and crafted them myself. I also certified yoga schools all over the, the country uh, through one of the yoga organizations. And all of that pretty much disappeared once AB5 came into being because mom and pop and, and average Joes cannot pay you, uh, cannot afford to take you on as an employee because, you know, there's all the benefits and, and all of that stuff. And it, it also eliminates one of the things that gets eliminated when someone makes you an employee is the ability to ne negotiate or change rates. Uh, it used to be if you taught a yoga class, you'd get a rate, but if you drew in a crowd, if you drew in more than say 20 people, you got extra stuff on the head, you know, and, and you were able to negotiate with the studio, how you'd like to be treated. If you were a popular teacher, they loved you, they'd give you that because you were bringing in money for them. AB5 eliminated that for not only just for my profession, but for so many other professions where the relationship between uh, vendor and, and actor got eliminated and got destroyed. It's like, no, you can only do this and you can only make this much. Even though AB2257 came into being, uh, which exempted certain musicians, and Aaron can speak way more to that, and exempted freelance writers, basically got rid of the cap that uh, Lorena and her infant wisdom, Lorena Gonzalez, decided on a 35, 35 cap of articles per outlet per year. I can do 35 articles in a month just for one outlet. So, you know, the outcry was great. The cap was lifted, but I'm required to negotiate contracts with people now. It has to be under contract. Uh, if I need to renegotiate that contract, it, there's all types of shoots and ladders, as Karen said. You know, handcuffs are still handcuffs that, that prevent me from having that relationship with the person that I'm working with or working as often as I can. Uh, I, with that one outlet. So, can I ask uh, a question, Jennifer, real sure. quick? How sure. fast, when AB5 came into effect, how fast was it that you were impacted? Um, AB5 was signed into law in, I believe, September of 2019. Karen can correct me. Uh, I was working with that organization as a 1099 contractor to certify yoga schools. They were there was rumors, word that they were extending contracts, and they actually did with other people, but not for me, because I was in California. And they, they were out of state. They, 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 exactly, they were an out of state entity, and they didn't want to deal with this mess in California. Pretty much, I mean, they didn't say that, but we all knew. And my story was similar to so many other people who had out of state contracts that just dried up once AB five was signed into law. Uh, first of all, who could afford a labor lawyer? They're the ones making all the money off of this. 
But secondly, nobody wanted to deal with the legal ramifications of it. It was just easier to hire somebody who wasn't in California. Right. Right. And in my group, I started I, I started my group right after the law was signed uh, in September 2019, which Jennifer mentioned. And we started seeing stories of lost livelihoods pouring in, you know, through, through the end of the year before the law went into effect in January of 2020. And I just wanted to add to what Jennifer said about articles, that the cap that Lorena Gonzalez, the author of the bill, put on writers. It wasn't, it wasn't just articles. They, she, she referred to it as submissions. So there was no hmm. definition of what a submission was. So it could be a blog post. It could be a tweet. It could be, you know, a book. It could be any, anything. It could be, it could be a pitch. We pitch yeah. all the time. Exactly. And then they didn't define the outlet either. So that, would that mean the, would the outlet be something like um, Random House, for example, who has a lot, lots of imprints in magazines? Would you be restricted to writing just 35 pieces or blog posts a year for, for the, the entire uh, umbrella company? Or would it be per per publication under the umbrella company. So it was all very, very arbitrary and very unconstitutional. And she did lift that cap in AB 2257, which was the cleanup bill nine months later. Interesting. If I can say something to that, there's two points on that. That also applied to photographers. Right. 35 posted photographs done in what, one photo shoot, right? Uh, For stock photography, all the stock photography left the state. Right, they're they're pulling all their photography from somewhere else, and the other thing that really ticked me on this whole thing, um, I'm Dan, by the way. Yeah, Filmmaker. I was just I was just gonna say, Dan, yeah. introduce yourself. Okay, I, my name's Dan. Um, I'm gonna go with that because um, we were targeted by this law, the whole filmmaking community, and there are no exceptions for any part of our industries, not zero, um, and there are unions, unlike. Um, in, in, a, in a many other industries, right, like the music industry, but the, the unions here were not supporting um, any of the independent filmmakers at all, right, because there's no reason to, right? We're competition, right, so to speak. But going back to the other interjection was we're talking about having to take on lawyers. You could not consult your CPA, right, on this law because your CPA could be fined for advising you according to the law and not just little fines humongous fines so the only way to be advised on this law ab5 was to go and hire yourself a full-fledged lawyer right because you can't talk to your cpa right. they're in charge of your taxes that's exactly what this thing was targeting so i'm gonna yeah. i pass that up back to jennifer right yeah I, I'll no you're, the- you're you're exactly right and uh even though my CPA was not supposed to give advice, his advice was, well, you have to become an S corporation in order to right. do everything that you need to do. That's what I recommend. But as Karen and others well know, they can still target you. It doesn't matter whether you're under the umbrella of an S corporation or not. Uh, they still have been targeting people yep. uh, for supposed misclassification and, and all of that. Not to mention uh, in California, the starting rate, whether you make a cent or not, is $800 a year to maintain your S-corporation. So I pay $800 a year whether I make any money. And since the yoga died and the reinvention died, I really don't make a whole lot of money. 
So that that's eating away as well. Yes, and that's to, not and just the S corps, but also LLCs in this state. It's eight hundred. Uh, yeah, every and that's corporation that's right imaginable in California. That's an, it's like a fee. It's that's what you're paying per year. Yeah. Right. It, uh, Let me uh, just. This, make, I'm Aaron. Can I just make some clarification to that too, uh, just to follow up? An LLC or an S corps does not exempt anybody from AB five. You can you it 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 will. I mean, it might help you convince your client that you're you know, in business for yourself. But as far as the law is concerned, they don't care. You can, uh, your client can be um, uh, penalized and fined for misclassifying you even if you have an LLC. So there's no uh, out with an LLC. I think that's the same with the DOL's new six-factor test as well. Correct. Correct. Well, uh, if I can interject real quick, um, Aaron, and a band leader, musician, and all, all across that musical spectrum, who knows what I am when I wake up in the morning. Um, but what what I noticed very specifically with um, with the Worker Flexibility and Small Business Protection Act that didn't make it to the floor of the Senate, they had specifically gone through S Corp, LLC, uh, Limited Liability Partnership, all of every single one of those and delineated them. Um, my, my CPA off, off the record suggested I do uh, uh, limited partnerships would make everybody, every single member of the band would be a, a partner. All, so that would be my core band. The subs would be limited partners. That was, you know, that was my CPA's off the record suggestion. Right. And when, when the Senate bill came through, it delineated every single possible out that we would have to legally get around uh, AB five and and the subsequent uh, the subsequent spawn of of AB five at the federal level. So not only did they double down, but they they doubled down and quadrupled down and and went they drilled down harder and harder and harder to find every possible remedy that we could legally find uh, when they brought it up to the, uh, to the Senate. And of course they couldn't get it through the, down to the Senate floor for a vote and then just literally reversed what the previous administration had done as far as trying to give us some protection at the department of labor level, reverse that. And the final, the final ruling um, has the six tier law that's basically just reformatting of the ABC test. It's, that's literally what it is. It's just trying to obscure it farther so that, you know, it's, it's, it's entrapment. It, it's Aaron, exhausting as well. <laughs> Aaron, let me ask you, I, I watched some of your videos on YouTube over the weekend, and you and your band are awesome, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. And did you lose gigs immediately, or has it impacted your band well, so since it, since it went into effect uh, the, the beginning of January, January is always a slow month, right? So mm-hmm. the, you're starting to, as, as bands, you're starting to get more work as you get into from March going forth through the rest of the year. Um, so as far as that, I'm not sure, you know, how that directly impacted gigs that in that season, but 
but literally my my wife at the time um she worked for a nonprofit and her nonprofit is a performance organization and her boss had their board had gotten them ahead of the curve because they didn't you know they didn't want to wait until the law was enacted in order to get things in place they wanted to get out in front of it so her boss was telling telling us about AB5 and her immediate reaction was we can't do the ban anymore hmm. you know because to literally have to become employer just you know just right off the bat that was just a literal impossibility and then as we you know as we got into it we were trying to figure out okay you know we had decided we had decided to go uh, the partnership limited partnership route um, and then covid hit so we literally ended up with just i ended up doing a duo gig and one band gig the entire year so between 85 and covid it's it's really hard to determine how how that would have how that year would have worked out but i have a, a good friend who's um who's a jazz pianist and he had been putting on a uh a, a jazz festival um so so what ended up happening to him the the you know the absolute direct consequence of that is before covid uh shut everything down he said we're going to have to shut down the festival. We looking at the landscape, we literally cannot do this festival going forward under these legal conditions. Um and a number I I so so the direct impact wasn't as you know, didn't hit me because covid you know, pushed everything off the table anyway. But for those that you know were trying to make plans for the year, took them off the board. Well, wow. if them I off could the board. speak, if I could speak to that as, as also a musician and uh, music contractor, in the first three months of 2020, I lost four recording sessions right out of the shoot, and they were all scheduled in January. Um, they would have brought in sixty thousand dollars and employed close to two hundred musicians, and set, I lost seventeen live performances before March. That would wow. have brought in thirty-four thousand dollars. So, it it had a much more immediate impact on my business. Um, it, and if I could address just two issues that were brought up, I think by Aaron and Dan. Um, Aaron had talked about the business-to-business -business, uh, solution being something that would be a good fit for his band, and it might be. I'm not saying it's not. But a huge misconception that I'm hearing in the music community is that if they simply become an S-Corp or get their own LLC, then they will be fine. And that's not it at all. They have to read the fine language of the AB 2257 text um, because we have to comply with all 12 criteria, not just not just a majority. And the very first one is what knocks most of us out. That says that the business service provider is free from the control and direction of the contracting business entity. And that's not true because the contractor usually tells you when to show up and how long you're you're playing. So let me let me back up for a second. I'm going to do this for the listeners and and. Any one of you can correct me if 
if I mistakenly say something, but AB5, which imposed the ABC test, was enacted in 2019, went into effect in 2020. It was so devastating to many professions that they went back with AB2257, right, that exempted a bunch of professions. And go ahead. If I can interject real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, the ex even even the exemptions were the, it was more it more instituted like uh, a tiering for musicians. So even even at that correction, it wasn't complete. So just I can tell you why that happened because I was <laughs> part of that group of musicians who fought for that exemption. There were nine of us who worked for months and fought back and forth between Lorena Lorena Gonzalez legislators in California. Um, we were traveling down to San Diego, up to Sacramento, up to Encino. Um, and th the first thing that killed musicians right out of the bat, and this addresses something that, that um, Dan said, before 85 went into effect, there was a uh, board member of the Music Artist Coalition named Jordan Bromley and a music business attorney he put in a bunch of work to get an exemption that would protect independent artists, songwriters, record labels, um, along with existing collective bargaining agreements. And it was approved by many interested parties. But without discussion, our own musicians union, the AFM, rejected it. So we were we were thrown out immediately before before AB5 was signed into law in September, and that's why after um, after AB5 went into into effect, a group of us started legislating for for an exemption for musicians. And again, what really perplexed the nine of us was what, the AFM was was predominant at every one of those meetings. We don't. Uh, why were they allowed to be at the table of of something that was discussing how we could continue to exist as independent contractors? It made no sense whatsoever. Right. And this is a pattern with uh, these labor actors. Uh, it was the same thing with the independent contractor rule. That they heard the testimony of independent contractors and small businesses, as well as the testimony of the union people and, and their organizers. And they thoroughly ignored all of the testimony given. And, and a lot of us gave it several times every way till Sunday. Uh, so, but it, 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 there is no interest in hearing from this sector of the population, even though there's 64 million plus of us, even though we are the drivers of so much of the economy, uh, they're they're not interested in what we have to contribute. They're only interested in unionizing everyone. That yeah, seems to if, be. If I can just, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that, that's okay. Just... That seems to be the the practice or pattern across the country. You know, talking <laughs> to Kim Cavan and others. So, <laughs> can I just uh, add to what Karen uh, Garrity just said? And Karen, I I don't know if we introduced you ahead of time, but Karen is a music contractor. And a cellist, correct, Karen? That is correct, yep. Um, the exemption, if I can clarify the musician's exemption, when AB 2257, the cleanup bill, passed in, on September 4, 2020, um, all the headlines read, well, musicians are mostly all exempt. Well, no, that's not the case, and Karen can speak to that. Only a segment of musicians are exempt. And even those segment of musicians that are exempt, like a band, 
like say Aaron's band, for example, you're still under a restriction. In other words, that the exemption says that you cannot play at the same venue for more than uh, no more than once a week. Otherwise, you would have to be an employee of that venue, yeah. or you have to put your, mm -hmm. your band members on payroll. So, Karen, could you follow up a little bit on on the exemption and how uh, misleading it is? Yes, I, I would. Thank you, Karen. Um, it's important. Every time I, someone asks me these questions, I say, please read the text of 2257 because you've really got to understand it, it's 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 very convoluted and confusing but um, AB 22057 specifically in regards to musicians says it exempts the two well I'm sorry um, the bill revises and recasts these provisions it would additionally exempt certain occupations in connection with creating marketing promoting or distributing sound recordings or musical compositions it also exempts a musician or musical group for the purpose of a single engagement live performance event. And it's it's important to note that's what you were just describing, Karen. If a if a if a my string quartet or Aaron's band goes and plays at a club, um, we are doing it on a one-off contract. And it's it's it, that will include the rehearsals for that one event. But once it goes into multiple day concerts then it doesn't apply. Um, the non-exemptions, and this, this is what created an uproar, and this would, we fought hard against this, but uh, we were going up against powerful labor unions and, and politicians. Um, the, the three groups that got thrown under the bus are musical groups performing as a symphony orchestra, um, any musical groups performing at a theme park or amusement park, or a musician performing in a musical theater production. It's a huge group of, of people. B, the musical group, if the musical group is an event headliner for a performance taking place in a venue location with more than 1,500 attendees, or C, the musical group is performing at a festival that sells more than 18,000 tickets per day. So that those, those are three huge subgroups of musicians that are not exempt at all. Which is why we saw so many closures uh, in 2020 before the pandemic hit of festivals yep. and various things that, you know, people were used to, you know, the local, a, a local beach festival with, with musicians coming on board for three days, you know, uh, that, that it puts them out of the, out of the running of having independent contractor musicians. Let me, let me interject real quickly because Susan has been sitting silently for a few minutes. I wanted to have Susan yeah. introduce herself. So it's my radio side of not wanting to step on people. <laughs> um, so my name is Susan. I'm a radio journalist. And interestingly enough, one of my outlets, I actually fall under the musician exemption because that's the only way that they could kind of get, get, it, get me through. So I used to be able to work um, for about four or five outlets. Um, now maybe one or two will take work. And the way that you stay alive in public radio is that you sell local, then you sell that story statewide, then you sell that story national, and then you sell it international if you can. And it, what AB5 did is they took away that ability. So um, there are certain out, they, the outlets, certain outlets. So, <laughs> so what happened? Um, 
the way the public radio and radio for that matter world works, if you're freelancing, you buy all of your own equipment, you pay for your own audio editing programs, um, everything is on you. And radio equipment is not cheap. Um, like a good set of gear, you're looking at probably anywhere between a thousand, two thousand dollars, which you have to replace stuff every once in a while, right? Like, um, and what happened was, um, so now I have a couple of outlets that are like, okay, we're going to consider you an audio producer who produces sound recordings under the music exemption, even because what happened is on the exemptions for journalists, instead of saying journalists, it says writers and editors. It's very specific. Am I a writer? Yeah, sort of. But I also do this audio stuff, which then wouldn't be exempted. Um, had they just said journalists are exempt, it would have cleared it for a lot more people. Um, and so I'm under this music exemption. And even though I'm producing for radio and I'm not producing music, I'm producing like voice recordings. So there's one outlet that um, I've talked to a couple other freelancers and initially they were like, no, our attorneys say we cannot do freelancers anymore. And what they opted to do was now they're hiring freelancers and they're putting them on the payroll indefinitely with no work. So you just sit on the payroll and then when you do something for them, you get paid hourly, which in our world is like the death knoll for your income. Because anybody who's been working 10, 20, 30 years, you can work quickly. And so if you do a project rate, um, most freelancers know most of the time project rates are going to pay you more because you have used those decades to train yourself to work quickly and so that a project rate makes sense. And so now you're sitting on payroll for a media outlet and you still have to pay your health insurance. Mm -hmm. You still have to pay for your equipment. So you're paying for your, you, the little guy, are paying for all the equipment so that the big company can use it. It's just... If you want to talk about protecting people from being exploited, which what was what AB5 was, that was the big thing. Oh, we're going to protect you. Um, we are the ones now being exploited because of this stupid law. So, um, yeah, it just, ugh, it makes me so mad. So um, it, yeah. And then the, my, the other issue that I have is, um, so now that you're sitting on payroll, so now if you get paid, um, you, you actually get to do a story. Um, you're having to pay into unemployment and you're having to pay into disability. And because you have multiple clients, you will never be able to use those because you're never, unless something like the pandemic hits or something like that, you're never going to lose all of your jobs at once. And so we're paying into systems that we can't even use. And so it just I just feel like they ran over us with a car and then they put it in reverse and ran us over again. And then they put it in mm -hmm. forward and ran us over again and put it mm -hmm. in reverse. Like it just it feels like that. And then yeah. now with this national law, it's it, it, uh, the national rule, 
um, it has a chilling effect. Um, we've seen in the just general journalism world, we've seen um, listings for gigs um, that specifically say, if you live in California, you cannot apply for this. And that list has grown as um, it's like, okay, this other. Oh, oh, might have lost you, Susan. Oh, no. So it's like, what's your choice? Do you, oh, oh. you move to Canada? Do you like. <laughs> yeah, Susan, Susan, you cut out briefly. Oh, no. Um, yeah. And I pay for fast internet, too. Um, <laughs> like, what is our choice? Do we move to Canada? Do we move to Europe? Like, what? Like, where do we go if we want to stay independent and work for ourselves and have control of our schedules? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's Dan, not what America is about, you know? Dan, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about photographers, too. And that I don't even know where to I don't even know where to start on this whole thing. Right. Because we're watching from California, producers, producing units leaving this state, right? And we hire writers, musicians, um, uh, uh, scripties who, I mean, we got, we, we've got all the cogs of these huge wheels in the, in the filmmaking business. And I, as a producer, amongst others, um, are trying to keep all these wheels kind of up and running and together. I'm employed now in the meantime by eight, nine different producing units during the course of a year, right? As is everyone in my industry. And so many of them have just taken off to go work somewhere else because it is what was already complicated has been made near impossible on, on so many different fronts. And uh, on the screen, I see a you know, a certain number of people, right? We need 600 people on this screen because we're talking 600 individual professions that are affected by AB5 all negatively. I worked in Europe for many, many years, right? Also in film and television. I worked in Colorado and I'm now working in California, right? Um, I do multiple languages as well. My translating um, has gone dead as of 2020. Right, because translations were also affected. When you've got 48, 49 other states to get your translations done in, in, and you don't end up having to have employees all of a sudden, you have them done in the other 48, 49 states. Right? Um, let me see. I'm so let me voice. let me ask you as a group. If we're now so we're talking about AB five in California, the aftermath of AB five. Now this is spreading although it's a somewhat watered-down version, the six-factor test from the Department of Labor, like what happens to your gigs when this goes nationwide? Well, your I career? can move to Canada or somewhere. It's a big <laughs> world. It's a big yeah. world. And those translations can also be done in France. They can be done in Germany. They can be done in, um, in China, they, you know, poorly. Um, they can be done in Japan, depending on whatever place there is. The photographers can come from other countries as well, right? Um, and they're not going to apply the laws of California, right? I guarantee you they won't, right? Um, only us who are left here will have to, right? And we, we do apply those laws. One of the lies I found was that independent contractors don't pay their taxes. That is a load of boom, right? right? We pay our taxes. We, we actually um, are probably better at it because we know it than many of the, the employees, right? Um, on the tax end, I've just lost all my write-offs for the last couple of years, right? That's the big kicker. They were talking about the cost of audio equipment. 
add to that um, all of the uh, video equipment, all of the lighting equipment, all of the sound equipment, all of the, I mean, these are people, we're all hurting, right? Because we have no more write-offs, right? Firstly, we, um, they, the write-offs were taken away in 2018 for employees, right? And then after AB5 turns us all into employees, here we are going, okay, what do we do now, right? And um, some of this equipment is very expensive. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it, it starts with your car, right? It starts with your office. Then you start with the specialized equipment. I also hand, handle, um, as a licensed armor in this state, um, uh, weaponry and firearms and things like that that all have very, very tight regulations associated with them, obviously, as we know in the news, right? And you know, there's a ton of work that's put into that offset before we even get to location to get all that right, plus the permissions, plus the, the conditions and the regulations and everything to make sure that no one's getting hurt, um, impinged upon, uh, looked at wrongly or anything when filming on any of these sets, right? Hmm. Yeah. And Dan, don't forget the certification. It really hard, right. really right. hard. Yeah. Don't forget the payment for continuing education and recertifications on certain things as well. In in yoga, that's a requirement uh, that you you make sure that they want to make sure you aren't hurting anybody. Right. Just, exactly. Uh, just like in your profession, and right. so I'm paying for that. I'm a paid professional to do a certain act, and you're treating me like a burger flipper. Yeah. That 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 is my okay. biggest resentment of of AB five and and this law that. I worked very hard to get where I was, paid tens of thousands of dollars to get to do what I do, and you're reducing me to a burger flipper. Right. So, Dan, how do you think this is, Karen? Uh, how how do you think the independent film um, industry is going to? What's the prognosis in California? Do you, how, are people just leaving in droves? Yeah. Well, there, yeah. There's a lot of them have just moved out. There are other centers in the United States. Atlanta, Georgia's grown. Right, and they've grown with a lot of Californians. You've got centers in Louisiana. You've got New Mexico, Albuquerque. There are large studios out there. There are other states that are are now taking over a lot of this work. Right, um, the big studios up here in L.A., not far from here, they do distribution in the meantime, not necessarily production unless it's some digital aspect of it. You know, all the, the green screen stuff and replacing it with computers that and the other. But stunt work, stunt work in this state, oh, ouch, right. Um, any sort of complicated filming. Uh, the fees up in L.A. are just absurd. Luckily, down here in San Diego, we can actually handle that, right? Um, but if the work's not here and the budgets aren't here, there was no growth in budgets to to compensate for the costs that are associated with AB5, none, right? So we're all effectively um, have a larger cost structure now, but we're still being paid... Um, on the budgets that are available, and after the inflation and after COVID, those are diminished. I guarantee you that. That's why the the um, SAG um, after went on on strike because um, you know it, it hurts out here. And when they went on strike, a lot of their workers had to go to pick up burger flipping restaurant jobs just to get through. Um, and those are those are union people, right? Um, and when that was all happening, the budgets were pulled back by the financiers, right? Because they didn't know if they were investing their money in something that was going to actually produce product, right? Now the content availability in the market is really, really low. And yes, 
there's going to be some push to fill that, but it's not going to necessarily be in this state because of that law. Right. So eighty-five was was um, was sold as this, like, oh, it'll lead to the creation of jobs. All of these <laughs> freelance gigs will become jobs. But just recently, in the last, I don't know, couple of weeks, it came out that California has lost jobs. Yeah. There's the, been no the Mercatus jobs. Mercatus study, this right. Mercatus just, Center study. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. had Leah on uh, last week, actually, and and will be part of this four-part series. The question I have for all of you is, and pretty much to sum this from the California perspective, the purpose of AB5 was to dump people onto company payrolls and therefore be able to unionize them. That didn't happen, obviously, but they they cast this net in California. It hurt people. They kind of loosened the net a little bit with AB2257, created some exemptions in there. But now it's going nationwide. And though it may not be as restrictive, the exemptions are impossible to have under the DOL's rules. Right. right? They can't go back and, and create exemptions unless it'll take an act of Congress to do it. But then you've got a whole bunch of legal arguments. So what happens to the independent contractors, the freelancers, the gig workers when this goes national? Can I, can I jump on that a little bit? Sure. This is Karen Garrity. Um, from a music contracting standpoint, and also I think this applies to just pretty much any person who wants to remain a business owner under 85 and now under the new Department of Labor rule. Um, from the standpoint of a gig worker, which I think most of us are, meaning that we usually work for multiple people throughout the year, we get a handful of W-2s and 1099s at the end of the year. So we cannot be plugged into, we don't work regularly for any one contractor or any one employer. We, we've made our business by, by branching out and having multiples. Under that business model, I could not find a insurance company or a payroll company willing to work with my business model in order to comply with AB5. (laughs) The the only thing that saved my bacon was the pandemic because as of March, 2020, I still, I was, I was called dozens of insurance companies and I was given every excuse from they couldn't find a similar business category, therefore they couldn't work with me, or they didn't work with the music industry or temporary employment agents. My industry isn't a defined market, therefore they can't work with me. I tried to call the state uh, the state fund, which is was supposedly through the state of California that was kind of the last resort place to go for insurance. Um, they sent me a 40-page uh, questionnaire to fill out, and at the end, just sent me a list of insurance companies to call. So I was back at square one. And then for payroll companies, um, I spoke with a a, pay, a small business advisor with Gusto, and he basically said that employee W two worker definition is a person who works consistently and salaried or hourly for an employer. So people who work sporadically on project basis should be contractors. He gave me an example. Um, I gave him the example that in any given year, I could write 100 1099s if I'm having a really good year. So he did the math on that. His company would charge me a monthly fee plus a per person 
stipend for every person that got put on my payroll, whether they worked once a year for two hours or they worked on a long project. And doing that math, it was going to be $7,668 per year for me to have them run my payroll. Who can afford that? Right. So once this becomes national, it's going to take us all down because we can't we can't comply. Or there's going to be the people who run loose and fast, and they're just going to do it until they get caught. And I, it's terrifying. Go ahead. Dan, go ahead. Uh, could interject. How does that, I mean, just for your, um, not viewership, but your hearership, right? Um, how does that play out with, for instance, theatrical houses? Um, or something that I'm personally involved with, Renaissance markets, mm-hmm. right? Or big festivals, music festivals. It doesn't. It doesn't play out. And many of those closed. Many Renaissance mm-hmm. festivals in this state are no longer there. They're gone. Right? Is that is that and, like a Ren Fair in Yeah, it's a Ren Fair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the theatrical companies had to close because they were one of those three big people that did not get the exemption yeah. under eighteen fifty seven. I think one and of the most tragic in the law itself, in the law itself specifically states that the film and video um area is not to be exempted, right? And that's actually in the law as it's stated. So we know we were targeted. Yes. Well, and that raises the question, what happens to markets like Atlanta that's gotten a lot of the film industry from California? They grow. Well, well if it goes like, national. Well, when you, with, no, with, no with if, the if it goes national, the, it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, those markets are now dead. Uh, Atlanta, North Carolina, Hey, Alabama even has a market, amazingly enough. New York. It, it, it will wipe them out. Yeah. Basically, it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the destruction of the concept of a free and independent workforce. Right. That's Definitely. what they're doing. Yes. That exactly. is the, it's just taking us off the board. Either you're an employee or you don't exist in the U.S. That's right. what it boils down to. They, they want things that they can quantify. They want things that they can control. 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 I yeah. remember Lorena saying snarkily on a Twitter comment, and Karen, you could probably remember which one it was, but she just told us musicians to just ask people to pay us in gift cards or just or just uh, donate our time. You know, she basically just excused our entire inst- industry. We're not yep. real professions. We mm-hmm. so just accept gift cards. Well, I, the last time I checked, my bank would not let me pay my mortgage with gift cards. It's the darndest thing. Yeah, yeah. As, I was on the I was on the Zoom call uh, at the with the Capitol, um, in I think it was I think it was March or 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 April of 2020, um, and at Senator at the time, State Senator uh, Hannah Beth Jackson said that we yeah, her. we were upset. Because they were taking away our lollipop. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yes. Not wow. our livelihood. I remember that one. Yeah. Our lollipop. I was. I was walking around. I was. I. You know. I was out of trying to escape COVID, and 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 I was walking. It stopped me in my in my tracks. I'm like, did I just hear what I thought I heard? That this is this, this is our indeed. lollipop. This is a game to us. This is just a little, you know, a little trifle on the side. This not our livelihood. But then, but that's that's what they. On the one hand, they think of it as as nothing serious. On the other hand, they want to control it absolutely. 
Good point. Aaron, let me tell you how that also plays out in our industries, right? All the extras, if it no longer fits in budget because they got all these other costs, the extras are stricken from the script. There's, mm. And that means unemployment. That means they're mm-hmm. not going to get paid. So their just reward for um, to get the full uh, scope of their, their fruits of their, their labor is that they don't get paid because they're not planned anymore. Small roles are stricken. Small, um, crews are made smaller to skeletal crews. And that is just, you know, part of this, this industry, right? And when Lorena talks about, you know, get the, the just part of your wages, right, that means unemployment for a lot of them. You know, it's interesting. I just thought of this as you said that, Dan. The, you know, if AB5 was around 30 years ago, we may never have had a Kevin Costner. No. Because he was the extra in the big chill, although he got cut, <laughs> right? So Steven Spielberg never- was a small filmmaker. He couldn't have gotten off the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's either, either you go and become an employee now or you do it all for free, quote-unquote, just like you were saying, you know, um, being paid with, with – Little cards. They're even trying to track all the Venmo payments now and all of the Zella payments and all of the little payments out there as much as they can possibly control. Right. One of the more tragic art stories out of AB5, and there were a lot of them, was uh, a woman named Gail who had an, an, an opera company uh, where she mm-hmm. highlighted Jewish music, Jewish musicians. Uh, you know, it was artistic, it was historic, honoring her parents, and that got totally wiped out thanks to AB5, because, you know, she, she, you can't, as well as the legacy of being able to work on your craft, these smaller companies are there for that reason, or, or part of it is learning from those more experienced, growing in your craft, and those opportunities are being wiped out because of AB5. You Opera singers, you can't you know, be be saying, oh, only we only draw big name opera singers. No, you. Someone needs to learn their opera craft by being around other opera singers, other musicians, other uh, you know violinists and cellists and and, and the whole nine yards. And AB five and eliminating those smaller and independent arts eliminates those opportunities for growth and for uplift. Aaron, let me ask you something as a musician. Um, and I've got a couple friends who are in different bands where I am. Is it still, or was it that a bar these are local musicians, they play at bars every Friday night. Does that chill their? Does this whole crackdown on independent contractors chill their ability to work gigs? Well, again, since it's, since it started, um, you know, before our our season got into high gear, um, unless you had unless you had a house gig, you know, you didn't see that immediate impact. And then and then COVID came in, right? So basically, basically, until we got to uh, when twenty two fifty seven came out, things were shut down. And then you have that that the fifteen hundred audience member tier where it became. It became irrelevant, but it's so we so we've just kind of go, gone on hoping that the sky doesn't fall, because even even in you know how they structured twenty two fifty seven, 
it's so nebulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, 85, 85 in, this, in the first place was the most horribly written thing. But 2257 is still nebulous to where it, it's a crapshoot to where if you even know about it, it's a specter over your head that you hope doesn't land on you. And, and most people don't know about it. Right. It's so, it's so under the radar that even if you hear about it, you think it's just that you think it's just AB, uh, uh, Uber and Lyft. Every, every bit of press that comes out about it is just points at that. It points at it's the drivers, it's the drivers, it's Uber and Lyft. So essentially you work under the, the hope that it's not going to come crashing down on you knowing that at any moment it could but in the meantime you got you have to live your life well and let work me as you can let me let me step right. back for a minute because this is kind of relevant um the media portrays it as uber and lyft however this is basically anybody who receives a 1099 yeah and again in california you you folks have this 2257 exemption where they wrote all these rules in, we won't see that nationwide, those exemptions. So then this is going to affect anybody who gets a 1099. This includes your your ER doctor. People people don't know that ER doctors, the majority of them are not contracted through a hospital, despite what Chicago Med and and these other shows show up. They worked in 99. And sometimes they work at several hospitals. What's going to happen to ER doctors who are saying, and and they don't want to be employees to anyone. They they like that system. So what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to your dog walker? What's going to happen to your caregiver? Healthcare, there was an op-ed that came out by Terry Gersten, total, you know, at labor research. She runs a research center in NYU and, you know, total advocate for the unions, advocating for this IC rule. Uh, she basically gave the gig away in her op-ed that, well, you know, these laws haven't affected the healthcare workers, but pretty much we're coming after you. That they want to get those <laughs> the high-end people who actually do earn great amounts of money, being a 1099, they they are now targeting them with this IC rule. Well, I mentioned this uh, to a friend who's a an attorney. You know, a lot of law firms use what are referred to as, well, they're retired attorneys or they're of counsel. So they're 1099s. You know, the law firms are going to have this problem too. And then, you know, the, the aftermath of that is, do you have of counsel anymore? Well, can I just say something? Sure. The exemption myth is, is just that. You know, a lot of, even though lawyers have an exemption from AB5, they're in California. still in California. Yeah, but in California, they can't hire, they can't contract with a paralegal, an independent contractor paralegal to do work on for them on behalf of a client because that would violate um, one of the uh, criteria, the business to business exemption. They can't, right. they can't bring on an independent contractor fellow uh, attorney mm-hmm. to work with them on a case directly for a client. So just because you have an exemption doesn't mean that you can continue to, you know, uh, have your traditional contracting relationships. And in terms of the, um, the DOL rule, it's six factors. It's a totality of the circumstances test where 
it's not all or nothing like ABC test is in California. But what we're most concerned about is the chilling effect because it it is 339 pages, the regulation. And it's similar to AB5 in that AB5, the ABC test, is what, 74 words, Jennifer? But the law itself with all the exemptions and all the restrictions and all the caveats and poison pills and everything in between Mm -hmm. is thousands and thousands of words. So the more of this interpretive, quote, guidance that DOL puts into the rule, the more confusion and chaos ensues, and the more these HR departments and and attorneys for corporations and businesses just throw up their hand and go, look, you know, we're going to err on the side of the ca- of caution and eliminate your independent contractors altogether. That's already out there, right? It is, and <laughs> it's all they, about control. Yeah, and as they said before, as they said before, it's if you're a major corporation. No big deal. They they have slush funds and, and HR departments to handle some of this stuff. They'll figure out a way to get around it, lobby somebody, pay somebody's, you know, campaign fund. They have ways of doing it. It is the small small to mid-sized business that again are going to be wiped out <laughs> because of this law, because that they are the ones that exist and and live and survive through these types of relationships. Karen, I see your hand up. Yeah, I feel like we're in I just school. Wanted, while it was still relevant, this is Karen Garrity. Um, Karen mentioned something very, very important, um, but it, it it needs a little clarification um, in that there are six factors of the DOL labor rule, um, and it, we don't have to meet all six of them. But I did ask in the um, in the the hearing last week where Jonathan uh, Wolfson was was speaking, um, I asked him if we had to meet all six factors or just a majority. And his answer was that in actuality, any one factor can be enough to be a violation. And and it's so arbitrary that Mm -hmm. it could be, it could be something as simple as maybe someone you worked with that day, you pissed them off. And so they're going to, they're going to report you, turn you in. And then whoever is reviewing that violation or perceived violation will then decide that it is enough of a major violation that all of the other five factors don't don't have any um, merit in this case. Mm-hmm. And you'll get taken down just because of one factor. And the other yeah. thing I just I want to thank Karen Anderson for is her diligence in staying on top of all of this, um, staying really well, well knowledgeable about 85 and everything that's been going on about it. I would not have known about the DOL labor rule if she hadn't started posting about it. And what really scares me is that it's set to take effect in less than March. two months. And mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would venture to say that I would bet a majority of the populace does not know about it. It was something that got got slid in under the yeah. under the radar, and it, it did not go to a, a vote. And so they, they did voters. that deliberate. They did that yeah, deliberately, and it's not supposed to go to a vote. Oh, I know. They 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 want to slip it in while you're distracted, while you're thinking about a primary, while you're worried about who's yeah. going to be president. That that is what they intentionally slipped it in as, and also the the main hub, one of the main hubs of this rule, 
which is a majority of what us independent contractors do, is that business-to-business relationship with the same industry. As Karen right. said, That's under AB5, a, paralegal, a contract paralegal and a contract lawyer can't work together because the same industry. How ridiculous is that? How many industries does that affect? Too many. Right. Every, it's it's, it's intentional. It's completely right. intentional to it's to make a funnel to where if you don't do it the the way they're insisting on, it will sneak up and not and not just bite you in the butt. It will bite off your butt. You know, it will. Yeah. It, it is designed. It is designed to to entrap. Because why else does hardly anybody know about it? Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're going. No, even those of us that know about it, you know, it's trying to stay under the radar. Oh, well, maybe they'll come after us. Maybe they won't. But now that it's national. Well, I have talked with people. I've talked with producers who have been um, fined by, I forget what mm -hmm. the agency is. um, I want to say the EDD. EDD. Right. EDD. They were fined. And it wasn't like, you know, oh, 300 bucks. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like just short of 10. 10K, right, uh, for a single infraction um, about something in that, that design that they didn't weren't aware of in terms of employment, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it wasn't a misrepresentation of, of that person. And so we're not talking just about those people who are getting employed. We're also talking about um, the bar that employed the guitarist that night. Right. It's the bar that's going to catch that that big fine, right. as yeah. well as the guitarist for misrepresenting it in their taxes. Right? Yeah, and that goes so to we, the chilling effect that Karen was mentioning. That's where you know the employers are just going to get advice from their CPAs or whatever. Just don't use any, and that's what we're seeing. You know, because I run Labor Union News, the yeah. commentary coming from the law firms is be cautious. You know, err on the side of of caution with this. Well, we, uh, 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 Jennifer mentioned uh, Gail Gordon, who owned uh, Muni Opera, which uh, she founded in honor of her mother, who was a Holocaust survivor. She, uh, she, there is a provision in, in AB5 where you can be fined um, civilly for up to $25,000 per violation for willful misclassification. She received a letter from the Employment and Development Department saying they were going to fine her $25,000 for an independent contractor that she paid $610 to for that year. Oh. And that is why we're talking about the chilling effect. Now you now you, you switch over to the DOL rule. Some of those factors, you know, I, I don't feel safe anymore with my exemption here in California because as a weekly columnist or a monthly writer of newsletters, how do I pass... Three of the six factors, one of one being you can't have these ongoing assignments, otherwise it's considered permanence. So, you know, what is their definition of an ongoing assignment? Something that lasts for more than, you know, five months? That would, that would eliminate weekly columnists. That's kind of my point, because you've got the exemptions. They, they cast this net out in California. They loosen the net a little bit, but now you've got the big net coming, and... Although right, you so, may think you're exempt in California, you're not going to be under DOL. Well, they, supposedly they it doesn't people. supersede. Supposedly, uh, it, it's not supposed to supersede existing labor laws in certain states. Like, if especially if it the law is even stricter than the, supposedly the the DOL test. But frankly, 
what business a publishing company and I write for people in New York and Washington DC and Virginia and Hawaii are they going to take the time to figure out whether I have a little funky little exemption from a in AB5 or not no they're going to look at the DOL thing and and and, and give me right. the boot right mm-hmm. right or and be required to hire that, you that has happened it's not like this will happen this has already it's been happening for under AB5 other states employers right are liable for employing anyone in California mm-hmm. to do any of this work, right, mm-hmm. gig-wise or otherwise. And my, my worry is um, I've got two, two young kids, right? What about the single moms and dads that have to work from home, right, and mm-hmm. work the gigs because that's what they can do. That's mm-hmm. all they can do. They're taking care of their kids. And then suddenly mm-hmm. they're told they're an employee or they're fired. Well, they're fired, right? Oh, great, right? So who did this law actually hurt? It hurt those people that we actually want to be supporting out there, right? And but they don't um, care about heinous, that. It's a heinous law for that yeah. very reason. Yeah. Yeah, and Dan, um, you mentioned that you also do uh, translation on the side as a translator, not or interpreter. Yeah. And uh, as we know, AB five supposedly exempts translators and interpreters, but we have members of our group besides you, Dan, who lost every uh, everything. One lady mm-hmm. lost 50 of her clients as a translator, never got them back, no. mm-hmm. even though there's now supposedly an exemption. So these exemptions come with a lot of smoke and mirrors. I've, I've, I've been mm-hmm. pounding that, shouting that from the rooftops all along. But the DOL rule like, is even worse because it has no exemptions. And and it's it's just it's just throwing going to throw everything into chaos. And the, the chilling effect is what we're going to be seeing the mo- mostly. Well, and, and, and the, the harm to the people who actually need it most, right? People who need to have a gig economy in order to make it through, pay their rent, put, put clothes on their children, food on their tables, right? That's another and thing. Family I don't, caretakers. Family I don't think caretakers a lot that, of people understand this. You know, right. a gig wa- worker does not necessarily mean that it's a full-time gig worker, mm-hmm. freelancer, et cetera. Some of these folks or a lot of these folks have a full-time job and pick up gigs on the side just to supplement their income. So right. we're talking yeah. about, you know, a part-time gig, so to speak. 85% yeah. of app-based gig workers, gig when I'm talking gig, uh, do 20 hours or less like drivers, for example. Yeah. I think 65% of them are 10 hours or less. So only 15% of these app-based drivers work work the, the app full-time at best. So these benefits, supposed benefits that they're supposed to be promised by being, you know, they're, they're, it's it's just a ruse. It's yeah. just a ruse. The industries I, I work in are to, I happen to know the uh, I happen to know the plaintiff um, for the Uber Lyft case against the state. And, of course, everybody's different, right? They have different abilities, whatever. She said... If you're if you're making that little as a driver, you're doing it wrong. Mm. So so for those for those few drivers that are that want to be employees, it's not because it's not because the system doesn't work. It's because they're not necessarily that great at it. You know, and so it's it's again, it's all coming back to they want to focus it on 
on the industry that they say is is the real tyrant, but it's all about funneling control into everybody needs to fall in line with with the plan so that they can you know, so they can unionize absolutely everything regardless of whether you want to be an employee or not. The, the um, Becca Fink that was the the organizer of the rally I was at at the Capitol. She is, she's, I believe, uh, SAG and uh, Actors Equity and Musicians Union. But that's, but she also runs her own business. And so the business didn't help her as an actress or as a musician. And it's also killing her as a small business owner. Now, so it's, it's, it's every, every way you turn, they're coming at you for, for control of what you do and optimizing for their purposes. You know, it's, there's no, there's no way in which the law is helpful for hardly anybody under any circumstance, including the industries themselves. So including the, the so-called tax benefit that they're trying to, to trying to get, because if you drive all of the businesses under, you know, into the dirt, you're not getting your revenue as, as, you know, as your tax revenue anyway. So it's, it's all destruction. And they, and for whatever reason, they cannot see the damage that they're doing to even their own cause. A full misunderstanding of how, you know, industry works. Project mm-hmm. management. A project is, by definition, something with a beginning and an end. A short film has a beginning and an end, right? At which time you're unemployed after that point. Okay, so you're only going to be employed from two, right? So they're only talking about line production that goes un, you know, with no end to it. There's no end point on line production, but on project business, even if you're building a house. Um, composing an, an opera, right? Making a production for a, a, a theatrical play, um, running a um, you know a film like we're trying to do, right? Many times that's kind of like what we do, right? Everyone's employed for a very short period of time because the definition of a project it has an it, it is anything with a end, a beginning and an end. Right, and so for people to survive, especially actors, um, you have to have multiples of those rolling. Okay, right. and that's that's where their definition really becomes iffy, iffy. Well, Dan, right? Dan, you mentioned that a lot of the film industry is moving out of California, in part due to AB five. And Jennifer, you have moved out of California, right? Is was AB five part of that? AB5 was part of it. Uh, as Karen said, work doesn't come back, <laughs> right. no matter what type of exemption right. you get. And it was impossible to find anything beyond, I, I love my, you know, my relationships with Red State, but it's not the only publication I want to work for or need to work for. Um, as well as the yoga never came back, you know, the the, the big Corporations opened up again with greater rules thanks to COVID, uh, and you had to be an employee. So 
Uh, and my, my husband wasn't thriving either. So yeah, we moved to Alabama about six months, six, seven months ago. And, uh, he's thriving. He found a job like that for what he does. Uh, we've had our, our, you know, because of California's other issues with cost of living and crime and things like that, we've wiped that off the table, thankfully pay, pay half for what we, we were paying double in rent what we pay here. Um, Wait, and California, so there, the, California yeah, has we, we, other we, issues. We, yeah. <laughs> Besides AB5, yeah. Shocking. So we, we, you know, we 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 chose to move, and I've picked up two other outlets since moving because you know just just changing geography and not being under that shadow of the law. <laughs> yeah. And the yoga is starting to pick up too. Now, now the law is chasing you to Alabama, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. That that that's the angering part is that you know finally get someplace where I can. Re- and and we understand as business owners, it takes time to build stuff. And you get to a place where it, that was one of my points of anger in California is that I had just gotten to the place where I had built relationships, I had I had built projects, and it got all wiped out. Thanks to AB5. Now I'm moving someplace else and having to rebuild, and this Department of Labor rule is rule is looming. It it's yeah. I, th- th- there are things that I want to do to my government that I cannot mention on a podcast. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> but, uh, government's yeah. motto should be "do no harm." I think that's a medical <laughs> term, but it seems to be that's all they do these days. Do well, no good. I I, I want to point out, and I think Karen Anderson um, can back this up that um, we're not all on one side of the political spectrum. Right. Um, and we're not, I, like, I am actually, I am in a union for, like, one, you know, one arm of my work. Um, we're, we're not all anti-union, and we're not all on a certain side of the political spectrum. It's been painted as, like, oh, you know, you're Russian bots or you're whatever, you're all just right, on one right side of the spectrum against this. Yeah. Um, and this this goes from Republicans to independents to Democrats. Like, it's across the board because it impacts all of us. Well, I had this conversation with Kim Cavan, who Karen knows as well from uh, probably more than just having congressional testimony together. But, you know, this does cross the political spectrum. I was on her Facebook page couple weeks ago and somebody commented who clearly was a Democrat, you know, I have never been a single issue voter, but this is my single issue. And, you know, so it's across the political spectrum. And Kim was talking about that as well. I think Susan made a, she made a very important comment that I don't think we've really touched on much is that this law really, uh, it really isn't an anti-union law, and I think it, a lot of what we've said may come again across as maybe that we are anti-union. I'm not anti-union. There are some fabulous labor unions out there, and 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 they do a lot for their for their employees. But but being a union member is not necessarily a one-size-fits-all solution for everybody. Yes, that, that's where that's what AB5 and this DOL rule are. They're trying to force us into a one-size-fits-all hole, and we don't fit in there. I think Kevin Kiley, Representative Kevin Kiley from California, who 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 is uh, 
who says once they bring this rule to Congress, that that's another point to note. Why are they taking so long to walk this rule over to Congress if it is so all important? You're talking about the PRO Once, Act? Well, yeah. No, no, no. The, the no, U.S. Right. Department of Labor rule has to go through go to Congress. Oh, the Congressional Act. It, it has to be Act. written up, and the language has to be presented to our legislative bodies. Once they do that, uh, the last podcast I listened to with Representative Kylie, he said they have not done it yet. Once they do, he is going to create a resolution under the Congressional Review Act to try to get it rescinded. That is one of the, the prongs he is planning on using. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, so, that, so he is the first episode in this series. So he is, uh, yeah, they, at the time we recorded, which was about a week and a half ago, they had not brought it to Congress yet. And so as soon as it is, he was going to file. The problem that I've seen with this is, although they could perhaps pass it in the House, it then, for it to take effect, has got to be passed through the Senate, which there's not going to be enough votes to do that. But if there were to be, Joe Biden has said he would he would veto other similar legislation, being on the joint employer issue. So, you know, although I think what Senator, uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Kiley is doing is good, I don't know that it's actually going to stop it. And it's not the only prong that there's still legalities involving right. because Julie Sue is still an acting secretary. She's right. not the legitimate secretary. She's been rejected by the Senate once. Uh, there may there there are things that uh, basically does she even have the right to institute this rule to present this rule? That's also in question. There, there are a lot of things that are in questions. In, in my mind, from my perspective, it's like they are doing what they can to throw things at the wall, which is why you know they brought it under the radar, under under cloak and cover, to try to slip it by so that no one will notice because they know that their time is short. Right, and they couldn't get the PRO Act passed, so this is a regulatory workaround. This rule, the six-factor rule, is implemented in the Fair Labor Standards Act, which uh, controls wage, 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 and hours like overtime. Overtime, so, child labor, yeah. Right. Whereas the other one was the National Relations uh, Labor Act. Labor relations. Yeah. Yeah. Board. Whatever. Um, and that's that franchising standard too. That I mean, they're they they're um, they're going about they're doing what. Joe Biden had um, campaigned on back in 2020. He wanted AB5, he lauded AB5, and he wanted it, the ABC test to be implemented in federal tax, labor, and employment laws, which is what this one is. Uh, yep. And and also, uh, if you read the proposed uh, DOL rule, the, the first one that they put out before they finalized it, they actually laud the ABC test from California and lament the mm -hmm. fact that they can't outright implement it per mm -hmm. statute unless unless they get you know congressional legislation to do that because the Supreme Court you know would likely overturn it. So what they did was um, mimic it as much as they could. So you know Julie Sue uh, she during her her uh, confirmation hearing in April. She treated AB5 and the ABC test like a hot potato. She didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole and was, was avowing that, oh, you'll not never see the ABC test in federal regulation. Well, that's like saying, 
that's like a cook saying that she didn't uh, you're, you're never you're, it's that she didn't put you know a cup of salt in the in the sauce but then after she, before she serves the dish she sprinkles a cup of salt throughout the dish anyways and that's that's what the abc test is from california sprinkled all throughout this uh, dol regulation mm-hmm. if i could get a word in there um a lot of this the damage that was that happened here in california was actually very masked by the covid period yeah. Yes. People Absolutely. were so distracted by that. Absolutely. They didn't catch. You know, everyone's everyone's losing their jobs under COVID, right? But those jobs didn't come back, and that's the that's where a lot of this got literally masked, and they didn't follow it. What this is, in my opinion, about, and I work in a very liberal uh, industry, literally, and everyone's, you know, really ticked off about AB five. Those that are have informed themselves or have been affected by it. And many of those, I would say the vast majority is on the very liberal side of, of life, okay? Um, it's about the thought process of being an independent contractor, an independent thinker. That's the attack. They don't like that, yeah. right? Yes. It's not about a party. It's not about a lot of this stuff. It's about independent thought. And as we know from, I'm an old, in, you know, I work corporate for many years, Innovation comes from the independent contractors, from the the independent thought people, the freelancers, those who are actually independent of the structures of these larger corporations and start developing new ideas that the corporations later buy in, okay? So to suppress that is to suppress actually our future, the future of innovation in the United States. That's not a good tendency, right? And those who are trying to do it for whatever reason, I'm going to fight against simply because I'm for independent thought. I'd like to be an independent contractor. I'd like to define what I do, and that allows me to be creative, right? It allows me to help work with all my different partners to bring the frame together and create the pictures that they're wanting, okay? And that that is should carry across all of the industries. And um, I, I'm really unhappy about the whole tendency to suppress independent thought. Yeah, and Susan Susan can speak to independent thought because you know, we've read that AB the exemptions from AB5 exempted journalists and as Susan mentioned, not all journalists are exempt. Print journalists are, have a partial exemption that comes with six caveats, but a radio journalist is not exempt, a videography journalist is not exempt. If you're if you're a writer working in film, or um, musical theater or whatever, you're not exempt. You know, Susan, can you can you uh, touch on that a little and bit? For a while, the original law had that if you were um, if you were a reporter and you shot video, you had to be hired. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you shot a little clip to put on social media to promote your story, um, you would have to be hired. They removed that, but again, it's this chilling effect. Like, the damage is done. Like, the car accident has happened. The car is, like, barely being able to move. The damage is already done. It doesn't matter if you put duct tape over the damage. It's still there. Um, The other thing I wanted to point out is we have a lot of states since the PRO Act, which also had the ABC test in it, um, was not passed, um, now um, it's being considered at different state levels. So you've got state, like I believe Minnesota, um, a bunch of states are now considering this. Rhode so Island. There, 
Yeah, freelancers don't realize this. Um, I'm in an industry group and I um, do their social media. And I got a message from somebody in like Ohio saying like, oh, wait, I know, I heard about this U.S. Department of Labor rule. Is this going to apply to me? Like people don't know that this yeah. is coming. Right. My, my own yeah. strategy with AB5 was like, don't say anything. Like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> and just hope that people don't notice. And then um, it's, yeah, and this is much harder <laughs> because it's nationwide. And it's like, um, and my other issue, and this is a personal thing, is a lot, there's a lot of coverage in mainstream media um, come that, that has not only misinformation in it, um, but it's very slanted um, to pro um, ABC test, pro AB5. And I, my big beef with, with it is that a lot of these outlets are union shops. Um, sure. And so I just want transparency. Just a little note at the end of that mm -hmm. saying, like, this particular outlet um, is a union shop. I think that that needs to be clear about who's covering this. As a side oh. note to that, it's interesting because I ran an uh, informal poll on LinkedIn because I belong to a couple of big groups that have labor relations folks. And to that point, my question was, if a reporter is reporting on labor issues, should they be required to say that they are affiliated with the union because they're, they're obviously, obviously biased when they're writing about it. And when I say obviously, like an objective person can see this has a pro-union slant. People like Bloomberg's, you know, reporters, they're all union shops. So just a side note on that. Just so I have a, a little note at the end, like, uh, you know, you look at like ABC newscasts and anytime they do a Disney story, they have to add the line like we're owned by Disney. Um, right. And that's all I want is just so that everybody can make their decision of the news coverage based on like transparency so that we right. know what's Washington Post, New York Times. Yeah, that I know because we've aggregated about 30,000 articles over the last two years on Labor Union News. So I know which publication is going to be biased one way or the other. And there's certain ones from the right and there's certain ones from the left and even further hardcore left. So, you know, if and I just a lot of people are getting their information, you know, right. and, and right. so they don't and realize that this is, this is come and this is coming for you freelancer um, because they're reading this as like, Oh no, it's no big deal. And yeah. Well, let me, but part of the problem with that misinformation is, it is couched, as Peter said, the gig economy, Uber and Lyft, but also, oh, it's about misclassification. Yeah. It's about the, these low-wage workers. And as long as people have that in their head, uh, I, Aaron and I are part of several groups. He likes to drag me into whatever group <laughs> he's advocating for. <laughs> And the lady was just like, well, you haven't addressed, you know, first of all, she dismissed my outlet, Red State, because, you know, right wing. And then she's just like, well, don't you care about the, the poor put upon workers who are being misclassified and suffering and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, as long as people have that stuck in their head and not that hello, this is your ER doctor, this is your dog walker, this is the caregiver that you hire to take care of your mother. 
and, and a million other people who are going to be affected by this, no exceptions, people are just going to keep kicking it down the can. Oh, well, you know, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with me or who are put upon workers as opposed to, no, they are robbing people's livelihoods. They are robbing your freedom to pursue the work that you want, to earn the way that you want, or to just collaborate with people for fun. Well, let me ask you this, Jennifer. The This is probably my 10th or 12th episode on this issue. Like Karen's been on before. I've had Kim Cavanaugh four or five times, Gabriella Hoffman, others. Yet, when I was talking about this issue with my exterminator, frankly, he was here a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing this episode on the AB is uh, the DOL thing. And he's like, I've never heard of that. And he goes, no. there's probably 17 people that I know of that will get impacted by this just personally. And this, mm-hmm. again, this is my exterminator who comes around once a month or so. Right. So how do you get the word out? You. <sighs> That, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, I'm doing, have done a lot. Karen has done a lot. Yeah. As much as possible, we try to get above the noise, and also hammer into them is is changing the language. I mean, this is why I refuse to be called a contractor. I'm an independent professional. People have a different concept with professional than they do with contractor. Uh, and if you are a professional, then there's some level of respect to what you do. And, oh, they're they're trying to take away what you do. That's terrible. So changing the language, Karen is wonderful about batting down misinformation because it's a ton of it in these outlets, these union outlets, as well as others. They just parrot what somebody else is. They don't bother to do the research for themselves. They parrot what other outlets are doing as opposed to truly saying, this yeah, is this is this is real. This is what's happening. That's the echo chamber. Yes. Well, one thing that I did in my group is um, we identified uh, within the membership of my group, which we have eighteen thousand five hundred members, about six hundred categories of professions that have been impacted by AB five. So I created a document. Well, unbeknownst to me, Kevin Kiley, uh, just a couple weeks ago, stood on the floor of the the. The, of Congress and read out loud all 500, all 600 plus professions out loud. <laughs> and he had them, he had them enlarged on these placards, you know, that, that he had on an easel and his assistant would change out the placard as he was reading through the list. And it was very powerful and eye-opening to anybody who thinks that these, these, um, these regulations and these policies are only impacting quote unquote, the exploited gig worker, such as, you know, a Uber driver or a trucker or whomever. Right. We need an internet influencer speaking out on this. Remember when Newsom was being recalled when we wanted him to be recalled <laughs> and the internet influencers, there was a couple of them that were saying, Oh, you're we're, we're sorry. We're going to vote against him. And it just went viral. It went crazy. We need, because they're going to be affected by this too. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point because a lot yeah. of those folks who make their money on the internet, social media, Instagram influencers, I believe they're 1099s. They are. Uh, well, I mean, there, there's a lot of the problem of, you know, internet commerce, right? That is very fuzzy on this whole thing. But, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, major supply chains. 
Talk, Karen, can you say a couple of words about independent contract, uh, independent trucking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. We problems in this state. Well, um, independent owner-operator truckers, there's about seven, there were about 70,000 estimate estimated independent owner-operator truckers in California. A lot of them are just small family fleets and, you know, just the little guy like we're talking about. It's the little guy who invested $100,000 into this, this trucking business. And and uh, so the California Trucking Association um, uh, got a preliminary injunction placed right. on the enforcement of AB5 against the trucking industry that that lasted for about two and a half years and protected them while that litigation was going on. And then um, their litigation reached a dead end. And then all of a sudden, in June June of 2022, um, uh, the trucking industry all of a sudden is subject to AB5 and the ABC test. And it is just a huge mess, especially for truckers who are coming from other states into California to drop off a load. Because once you're in California as an independent contractor, you can't, the law does pre- prevents you from being able to pick up a load and drive it back out because yeah. you would be in violation of California's labor code. And Which so, is why a lot of truckers are refu- truckers who are yeah. out of California have refused to work in California. They yeah, they probably should just out. drop their trailers right in Blythe or, you know, on the <laughs> other side of Blythe. No, that is, that is becoming a practice that, yeah, I don't think. do California anymore because... Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. So, so folks, let me ask you from we've been on for well over 90 minutes. Let me ask you, we should probably wrap up just from a time standpoint. What advice would you give to people outside of California based on your experiences? I would say don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late. Like speak out. And call your lawmakers and try to do something now before this all, you know, before the laws take effect. A lot of us on AB5, a lot of people didn't find out until after, you know, it was too late. And so don't wait until it's too late. That's good advice. I've I've spent my time advising other filmmakers that, you know, you're going to get in trouble unless you start listening to what, what is actually laid down in law here for this state, right? And then I've got uh, people I communicate with outside of this state, and they're inquiring, right? And it's just like um, we've heard of all the problems that, that the Californians have had. What does that mean for us? And it's like, well, tell them. And that's my message out there. Just spread the word, man, right? Because that's, that's the way to get the word out there. Get it out to the decision makers, Right, get get it out to the people who are making the key decisions that they know that they're going to get nailed with this thing if they're not, uh, you know, uh, in compliance with this whole new world view on how labor is supposed to be conducted. Yeah, uh, the the businesses are going to be pivotal, particularly the small and mid-sized businesses in turning the tide on this to, to stopping this because again, it's, it boils down to, we are the ones that help do their work to help. There is no publication without writers. <laughs> we are the ones that keep things going. And so if your engines are gone, how are you going to survive? And the smaller business are, you know, are way more adamant about doing what they need to do to 
to see something stopped. Um, I, I have moved in a very pro-business friendly state, not just the big ones, little ones all over the place. And they are not going to take this lying down. Some, some of them have already, have already become aware of it. They're not going to take it lying down. So I think, you know, going to your local chambers and your smaller businesses as well and warning them that you need to get in front of this, as Dan says, you, you can't, or and Susan said, you can't go from behind. Talk to your senator. Talk to your congressman. The, the PRO Act, part of the killing of the PRO Act was people started lobbying their senator and their congressman and saying, you, you will not vote for this smaller businesses. And, and that's essentially what helped to kill it. Right. Karen, you, you have your no, hand just, up again. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm jumping on what, what Jennifer just said. Um, something that we did in our industry and all of us on this panel, including, including you, um, Peter, we, we could all put together a very simple letter People, people will do it as long as it's easy. So we could put together a very simple letter uh, to that that kind of pertains to our industry and what's going to happen if if this rule goes if and when this rule goes through. They could copy and paste it. They could use little bits of it, whatever. But then also put links to there, there's there's websites where you can go in and look up who your your legislators are in your city, in your area, in your state. And you can put those links directly into the, the body of what you're putting out there. So people, people literally just have to click on that link to find out who their congressman is, click on this to find out who their senator is, and then copy and paste the letter, done. There, and it's it takes five minutes. That's and also thought. knowing the, the uh, publications and the people who are giving correct information on it. Because uh, that's what annoys me. There's so much bad information. Anytime I see Uber, Lyft, and gig economy, I automatically toss it out because I know they're going in the wrong direction. It's like if yeah. you, once you start talking about professionals and doctors and healthcare workers and the whole nine, you know, people who are, you know, filmmakers, people who are actually working professionals, then I will pay some attention to you. But if you're going to jump on the Uber, Lyft train, it's bad information, and I tell people not to read it. Yeah, I think yeah. The, I think the biggest thing we have to figure out is how do we get past the propaganda of the all the uproar about this is some right wing conspiracy because mm -hmm. that's that's what is what has been the big hampering point is yeah, but you know uh, my my a, a bandmate who who got all over. All over Jennifer because well she writes for Red State so so it can't possibly be real information it's it's, it's getting over over the no this is this is everybody across the board that wants to not be um, that doesn't want to be an employee that wants to work for themselves it's it's universal it's union members multiple union members that are that are targeted by this. It's it's anybody that wants to be independent, and that's been the struggle is to to get past the the propaganda of yeah 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 it's a it's a right wing problem that's that's who's you know who's fighting this. It's uh, I I've struggled the whole time to figure out how do you get past that stigma. 
you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is to get past that stigma because that's, I think somebody has got to get to the Kardashians, the social media influencers. (laughs) Karen, Karen, let's put together the large save the world concert, right? With some big name um, musicians out there, put some stars on that stage, right? That are willing to, to take, you know, the banner in their hand and, Put we it also out need to get Mike, anybody knows Mike Rowe. We need to get him to talk about it. Yo, Mike, he, he, he has. Mike, Mike's yeah. got it. Man. Maybe five yeah, the ABC yeah. tests that got attention. I've heard yeah. uh, Rogan talk about it. Megan Kelly talk about it. I think Megan yeah, was interviewing the, another um, one. Yeah. So Megan Kelly, I haven't heard her talk about it. Yeah, I think it might have been with Mike Rowe. So they, I, I think they were talking. It's only like a two-minute clip. But. I mean, there's just not enough awareness on a national level and even here in the state of California, and people just need to educate themselves that it is really happening and they are coming for you. It's happened here in California. You can't believe everything you read. A lot of uh, the, like Jennifer mentioned, a lot of these reporters, even allies on our side, get the, get their facts wrong about AB5 in particular. Right. right. Um, but uh, I think one of the most important things that people can do now in regards to the DOL rule is to get on the phone and call your your representative in Congress and your and your U.S. senator and let them know that you're worried about this and um, you want to see them back uh, that uh, Congressional Review Act to, to um, put a, at least a pause on this so that we can see what the collateral damage is really going to be on so many people. Uh, that's I, I think you know they start to pay attention when they get flooded with calls a little bit maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this Mercatus Center study is also going to make a difference as well because finally someone got empirical evidence that AB five was garbage, <laughs> and that's what congressmen and senators pay attention to yep. as well. Is oh, well, give me some empirical evidence. Here it is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that. Um... And I had a conversation with Lee about this. The Bloomberg article that came out almost immediately was quoting a Berkeley professor and EPI, which is the Economic Policy Institute, which is union funded, trying to diminish the study's effects, right? Yeah. The findings. So, well, folks, let's wrap this up. I thank you so much for coming on Labor Relations Radio. And Karen, thank you so much for putting this together. I appreciate it. Thank you for having all Thank of us on at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was a challenge. Is uh, is something I was like, oh, I've never done this before. So let's see what happens. So uh, anyway. did a good job in wrangling the cats. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, folks. <laughs> so that was Karen Anderson and our panel of freelancers against AB5 who shared their stories of what's happened out in California and what is likely to occur across the country. As always, I'm going to leave some links under the audio portion of this episode, as well as how to contact your congressman or senator. So if you want to take some action, those links will be there and you can do so. In any case, that wraps up another episode of Labor Relations Radio and our four-part series on the war on independent contractors. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Black cream, take me to that place. Wash my sins away. You have been listening to Labor Relations Radio.
Hey, Labor Relations Radio listeners, this is just a quick reminder. If you enjoyed Labor Relations Radio, make sure you share these episodes with your colleagues and make sure you and your colleagues visit laborunionnews.com and subscribe to our News Digest.